to a podcast greater than yourself, season four. Do you have an idea for an episode or a question about sobriety, spirituality, 12 steps, or sponsorship? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. You're the co-host. This is our first co-host. Well, you're like, you get what we're doing, right? Like, it's a whole bit. I'm like... We didn't, we didn't go over this. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna drink a uh, you're gonna drink a cup of water while I sing. Smash it on your head. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I pictured like you know those guys who like balance all the plates yeah, right. on the like Yeah. So you're ready, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Welcome back to a podcast greater than yourself. My name is John Barleycorn, and this is Sylvia. Excellent. And with us today is Karen. Hello, I'm Karen. Hello. How are you today? I am wonderful. I'm very happy to be here with you guys. Awesome. I, how are you today? As if we weren't just talking for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So our topic today is page 62, which is like... A barrel of monkeys, a laugh riot. <laughs> How else do you describe it? Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I don't. I there are definitely some people this season where I'm like specifically picking the topic for them, but this was not one of those. <laughs> this is just like this isn't like that a makes com- me feel yeah. so special. <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a comment <laughs> on you. you where I'm like. Hmm, who's selfish and self-centered to the core? <laughs> Let's see. That would be Karen. Right. No, it was it was just a uh, happenstance. You just happen to be ex- profoundly selfish and self-centered. Mm-hmm. It was I actually am. So you. <laughs> it works well. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about uh this page is is um it's really funny how well it describes me. <laughs> and, like, I think the first time I read it was definitely not funny at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, it definitely still described me. It's just become funny now in hindsight. Um, so, yeah, I, I think let's just go ahead and read through it right off the top since we're just going to do the whole page and then I'll start. Um, everybody ready? Let's go. Buckled in. Do it. All right. No, this is one of those hard ones where I have to like act like I'm reading it instead of just like reciting it from memory because I've read it 7,000 times. <laughs> and well, how many people do you sponsor where it's like you get this far and then you never see them again? So it's like a lot. I've, I've gotten this far with way more people than I haven't, I would say. Is there like a hard cutoff on this page that you uh, can tell? You mean with, when you're sponsoring people, you never hear. Oh, uh, no, I mean, I think we just like get to step three and then they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to do step four. I'm going to start tonight. And then like, they've fallen away. I just never hear from them. Yeah. (laughs) They've fallen a well. (laughs) I I see them on the cable news down the well. 
for a couple oh weeks, and then I never hear from them again. <laughs> Awful, <laughs> but probably true. Right. Okay. Well, here we go. So, page sixty-two for those following along at home. Selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation. But we invariably find that at some point in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Take it away! (laughs) So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we cannot live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. Mm. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tempting because, like, as we, I, I didn't even realize it when we were talking about it before we started recording, but then, like, as as we read through it, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> there's, there's five episodes on this page. When I first read this with my first sponsor um i one of the first the first thing i remember her ever telling me was i am going to tell you the truth because i care about your life more than i care about your feelings and i was so fucking offended by that (laughs) like beyond offended and then we read this and I didn't really understand it at first. I thought like I'm selfish, like I don't share Mm. or I don't, you know, um, pay for my family to go out to dinner. Like those were the kinds of things I thought when I thought about this idea of selfishness. Mm -hmm. And what I came to learn is that it's really this centered on selfness that is the problem. Mm. Um, And it truly is, as it says, the root of our troubles. And it doesn't have anything to do with our alcoholism. It doesn't have anything to do with the disease at all, which is also something that took me some time to wrap my head around. I thought when people talked about their alcoholic thinking, they were, you know, and, and they probably were coming from this place of, you know, I'm being selfish or I'm being you know, um, I'm in self, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in delusion or, or self pity or whatever. Um, and it took me some time to realize that actually has nothing to do with our disease. Mm -hmm. Um, but if we treat that, the problem gets removed, right? The physical and the mental stuff gets, gets dealt with. Um, 
when I read it now, I'm like, this is so me. But when I read it for the first time, I'm like, I'm not, that's not me. I am a good person. I, you know, um, I care about people. I hold the door for old ladies and give up my seat on the bus and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't see the deeper piece of it, you know? Yeah. Um, the every time I talk with somebody about this or actually usually it's it's usually when um, this is the topic like if I've been asked to give a lead and and it's this reading um, the thing that always comes to my mind is exactly what you were talking about like there's there's a different type of selfishness that the book is really focused on from what I just like when I was growing up and I thought an alcoholic was a certain thing, right? Mm -hmm. And the book defines it. Uh, the book is talking about selfishness in a, in a way that I had never considered. Yeah. Selfishness to me was like these like crooked politicians, like lining their pockets and stealing from the people they're supposed to serve. You know, it was scumbags who like, rob people and you know what you know their kids are starving at home while they're out partying stuff like that you know and i was like i was a good dude you know yeah. in my yeah. head i was like a good dude um i also always think about how you know um because of the delusion self-delusion you know, it mentions being driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. Like, all of that stuff is the poison that, like, cut me off from being able to see the truth in, like, almost anything. Um, yeah. And, you know, what we get into in the next couple pages is this idea of causes and conditions or the parts of self that are you know, manifesting in different ways to block us from the experience that we need to have to overcome the illness. But when I look at that idea of self-delusion, like, I think I'm a great guy, but I've stolen pain medications from both of my grandmas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that bad, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, well, yeah, exactly. I'm going to just be like, uh, I have literally... I was literally at the grocery store with my sister who's like successful in business and has a family at this point and I'm living in a government subsidized apartment that is just just sad as fuck <laughs> and like my dishwasher doesn't work anymore because uh, there's a bunch of broken glass in it you know it's just like there's it's a it's just a nightmare and I have no money cuz I just piss it all away on pills and booze and I'm at the grocery store with her, and uh, I, I literally am like, okay, well, I don't have enough money for, for food and for beer, so I'm not going to buy food. And she, mm -hmm. like, laughed, you know, because she thought I was joking, you know. Um, and I think that that's the kind of stuff when I really, when I sat down with a sponsor who who could talk about their own experience with this, but from the perspective of being recovered, that was the kind of stuff that cracked the facade of this this idea I had of selfishness 
turning into this, what the big book talks about is selfishness, where it's, I am entirely self-consumed. Mm-hmm. I am thinking of me, and if I think of you, it's how you're going to affect me mm-hmm. <laughs> or what I can do to get you yeah. to, to, to do what I want, right? And so... When I when I think about instances like that where I'm sitting there and uh, you know standing in the grocery store and then I, I realize I'm like breaking my sister's heart when she sees that mm. I'm not joking um, and then she still gives me money so that I can both eat and drink um, my my profound selfishness comes to light because I remember I just fucking moved on it was like oh cool mm-hmm. I got money yeah. I can eat too I just fucking moved on and did 10,000 things like that all the while thinking I was like a really cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nice. <laughs> I I remember the first time recovered looking back in retrospect and realizing that every interaction I had ever had really since like a child, um, but particularly like inactive addiction, Mm. I literally looked through people. Mm. I didn't hear them when they talked. I didn't, I never listened. Um, I just, I saw right through you because I was so obsessed with me. Right. And the most important thing I think to an alcoholic in my experience with myself and working with others is how I feel, Mm -hmm. right? That's the most important thing to me and whatever I need to do to feel okay. Although I never get there without God, Mm. you know, um, I will do, and I've done some pretty awful shit you know, right? but I just, I don't see you. I do not see you. I like almost envision it. Like you're like a ghost and I can literally see right through you, even though you're standing right in front of me. Like that, that was my experience that like, aha kind of that's what that self-centeredness is. Right. And then, <laughs> and then you step on my toes and I go, how fucking dare you? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then I try harder. (laughs) I try even harder. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I remember like when I was reading this for the first time, vaguely thinking to myself, oh, selfishness, self-centeredness, that's the root, you know, and mm, you're going to have to prove that to me, you know, like, (laughs) okay, we're going to move through this. But it became real in step four Mm -hmm. when I got cracked open and those words were redefined for me to be more in line with like self-obsessed you know Mm -hmm. so it wasn't just like selfish i'm stealing i'm stingy it's like no i can't see another person's point of view Mm -hmm. i want things my way um it's being possessive wanting to be the best having this sense of grandiosity you know Mm -hmm. um it's all of those things and all of those things um were extremely true for me wanting to you know being so concerned what other people thought about me Mm. if i'm doing anything nice for you at all it's so you'll think well of me because i can get something from you i can call in a favor later you know so i mean just so completely self-seeking but at this point when i'm reading the book for the first time i don't see any of that Mm -hmm. that flies Mm -hmm. right over my head right yeah 
I think a, a lot of people in this shift that the book makes on page 60 where it's just like, okay, we're done talking about alcohol. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people would probably be confused. Um, and I think that there was the, I guess, profundity or how dense this page is kind of struck me when we read it in three little chunks like that because it, I mean, it, in the next paragraph, it makes it <laughs> abundantly clear why this matters. Uh, when it says, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. So it's like uh, I'm kind of floating off into space thinking about like all these different things that I do uh, to people or don't do for people or do only for me, whatever. And then it's like, oh, it's going to kill me. <laughs> like, right. Okay. <laughs> like, now, you, now you gave me a reason to give a shit, right? Now you have my attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, it's still talking about all humans when we're talking about like selfishness and self-centeredness. Right. Just saying, hey, alcoholics are the only ones that are going to drink themselves to death if they don't do something about it, right? So Right. Like tons. This is a conversation I have often with people in sponsorship where it's like um, even even as early as like a step one conversation where someone is like kind of hazy or maybe they're super heavy spiritual malady stuff, but they're not really talking about symptoms like Karen was talking about of alcoholism. Um, in which case, the only help I can really offer you is helping you find somebody who can help you. Like, maybe, right? I'm not a counselor. Yeah. I'm not a priest. Like, I don't really know what to do for you. You should become a priest. Should I? Mm-hmm. You think so? <laughs> I've got the look for it. You'd be more helpful. <laughs> be more helpful. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> You've got to look for it. It's a podcast. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking like of times, I mean, I, there was one like a month ago where I was talking with a guy like that. Um, and I'm just like, look, dude, I, I rag on my grandma on this podcast all the time. <laughs> <laughs> By this point, people think it's like hypothetical. Everything I've said about my grandma on this podcast is completely true. So... Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone who's ever met my grandma, if you said, like, true or false, she she is spiritually unwell. <laughs> I don't think anyone's, like, true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, like, I, don't, I don't think anyone is going to say, like, nah, I hope she doesn't listen. Yeah, you know, like, I don't think anyone is going to be like, mm, she's great. She's happy. She, you know, no control issues. You know, she has all of this stuff, you know. Right. What she doesn't have is the symptoms of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it is important to differentiate that because we aren't talking Huge. about alcoholism. And and that's kind of the key to unlock the fact that like, you know, there's 250 12-step programs based off of this book. And the reason that that works is because the, you know, if you have a spiritual malady, <laughs> you can overcome it with a spiritual experience, thankfully. But if I suffer from alcoholism, unlike my grandma, I have an inciting calamity bringing me to the place where I'm able to look at this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have reason yeah. to. Right. 
she right. may she may never feel enough misery to actually surrender to some process. Mm-hmm. She may not need right. that, you know. She might feel like it's going really well. Right, right. Like I did. <laughs> I did. I thought it wasn't so bad. Right. And it says it says on page sixty, the first requirement is that we talking about coming into the third step, mm-hmm. right? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life. Mm-hmm. run on self-will can hardly be a success and a lot of the times i hear in meetings alcoholism is a threefold disease and that's just not my understanding of alcoholism as far as what this book has right. has like i've learned in this book there's two pieces there mm-hmm. right and the physical allergy and that and that mental obsession obsession of the mind you know that spiritual malady is not unique to us, not unique to alcoholics. Um, I got lots of sick people in my life who do not have any type of addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm taking my friend's inventory and my family's inventory <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 it's a huge misconception in this program and i think it's something that we hear in meetings a lot and um i think that it it can really water down our understanding of the first step Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and our understanding of the human condition and that that's that's what's part of that really is what's going on like i drink because I'm an alcoholic, but I drink because it's spiritual pain relief, mm. right? Like, that's why I picked up the bottle. Um, in my mind, that's what it did for me. I didn't realize at the time that it was this thing that I had no control over. Right. But, you know, and that's why it talks about the alcoholic being, you know, the extreme example of self-will run riot because... We've got this malady that lots of people have, this spiritual malady, but we're so fucked because we also have this disease. Right. Um, And the two together are just, you know, not pretty. Right. And so highlighting that this self-obsession, self-absorbedness is going to kill me is the perfect way to set me up for taking a new tack, for looking at a new way. Um, which is what we're doing in step three. It's the whole point is how, how am I doing at managing this? Right. <laughs> well, I'm driven by a hundred forms of fear. <laughs> so I don't know. It's not going great, but my sister let me borrow some money so I could eat too. <laughs> but isn't it crazy? Like when you look back and you think about like the, the sh- stories that you were sharing about how you were living, like, mm-hmm. It felt like things were going okay. Like (laughs) you felt like you were on top when you got some money because now you could eat too. And it's you. It's so crazy to look back because I have you know a thousand situations that were the same thing, and I couldn't see how unmanageable my life was. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, just what a complete disaster. So. This is Sober Tech News.
This week in Sober Tech News, segment producer Cheryl Chen Farnsworth sits down with tech CEO Matthew Feinberg to discuss the new cutting-edge technologies his multi-billion dollar year company, AppSpace, is catering toward the recovery community at large. Cheryl? Thank you, Corbin. I take you now to the sprawling Palo Alto estate of tech CEO, Silicon Valley wunderkind, and app space impresario, Matthew Feinberg. We sat down to discuss his foray into the recently exploding sober technology industry. Matthew, welcome to Sober Tech News. Tell us what's new with AppSpace. Well, Cheryl, AppSpace has always been about connecting people with people. Out of all the exciting developments AppSpace is currently making in the realm of social communications, I'm personally most excited to tell you about our new real-time recovery community translation app. That is exciting. It sounds like a total game changer for the recovery community. I know, but it gets even cooler because this app is available for use at both online and in-person recovery meetings. The proprietary translation technology used in Slogan... Uh, So the app is called Slogan then? Yes, it's S-L-O-G-N, Slogan. The technology used in Slogan is one of a kind and allows us to transcend the barriers between the pathetic ball and chain meeting maker lifers and your average newcomer walking in off the street. Okay, so how does it work then? So you see the newcomer will arrive at a meeting and approach someone eventually who's a more seasoned member of the 12-step program, colloquially known as an old-timer. Okay. Historically, these encounters have been bogged down in confusing jargon and rhetoric, but not any longer, thanks to Slogan. All our new person has to do is fire up the Slogan app or turn on the Slogan web browser extension before they attend a Zoom meeting. That's enough of me. Check out this demonstration. From what I've seen, the recipe for success is 90 meetings in 90 days. I do not know how to help you. Wow, that is remarkable. It's so accurate. Uh Uh-huh, yes. But just wait. It gets better. I just got to get up every morning and ask God to keep me sober. I have a terrible sponsor. You know what the old timers told me when I first got here? You gotta let go, let God. Surrender to win. I am an ineffectual simpleton. You know, the one thing I gotta remind myself is I gotta be practicing an attitude of gratitude. The only part of the big book I have read is page 417. One day at a time. One day at a time. Just don't drink today. You can drink tomorrow, but when tomorrow comes, don't drink today. I am not an alcoholic. Wow, Matthew, this has been a stellar demonstration. But let me ask the question that's on everyone's mind. When can we get our hands on Slogan? 
slogan is currently in beta testing with certain select Narcotics Anonymous groups, but should be going live just in time for the notorious gratitude meeting season of November and December. Well, that is incredible news for the recovery community and super exciting for AppSpace. Yes. Yes, it's very exciting. As you can tell, I'm starting to get a little worked up just talking about it with you. Uh, How about before we go, let's have another demonstration. Well, sure, yeah. My disease is out in the parking lot right now doing push-ups. It's waiting on me. I heard a guy with a handlebar mustache say this at a men's meeting in San Diego one time in 1989. I'm not entirely sure what it means, but I haven't stopped saying it since. You know, I've been coming around for a few 24 hours now. I have the vague sense that the young women in this meeting will think I'm a gross old dude if I tell you how long I've been sober. But I still want to passive-aggressively time-bully you in my chair. Meeting makers make it. I purchased a big book in 1997, but haven't seen it in 14 years. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it, because you're worth it. I am unwilling to help you recover. Oh, shoot. Look at that. Ten minutes over. Sorry about that, everyone. Looks like time got away from me. Anyway, Marty M. Recovering Dipsomaniac, could you go ahead and give yourself and your higher power a round of applause if you haven't had a drink today? I am an extreme example of self-will run riot. Go to a meeting tomorrow. And then go to a meeting the next day. And then don't drink in between those two meetings. And then go to a meeting the day following that. And then don't drink between tomorrow's meeting and then the following meeting after that as well. And then just do that the rest of your fucking life. But one day at a time. Oh, that doesn't sound very good. Yes, well, of course, we are still in beta. Right. And some functional corrections will still be needed in the UI. Again, thank you for having me on your show. Yes, thank you, Matt. Or should I say, thanks for letting me share. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. This is Sober Tech News. I think the first, because I think I should, I could rewrite the steps. Like I'm not, I'm that important, but I think the first step (laughs) should be rewritten and it should, I was actually just talking to my sponsor about this. I feel like for my own understanding, what would have really been helpful in the first step is if it had ended with my life is unmanageable or has become unmanageable by me. Like I can no longer manage my life that those two little words change everything for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, um, I was trying to think of your, 
your fake name, Sylvia's, <laughs> um, talking about step four and the things that we start to uncover in step four. One of the things that my sponsor pointed out to me that I continue to kind of remember and talk to my sponsees about is in those first three columns on that grudge list, on that resentment list, like those are the only columns I had. Mm. I didn't have a fourth column. I lived in columns one, two, and three. And, and that made so clear to me, um, what this selfishness really was. It was that I'm literally consumed with, with my feelings and what I can get and what people are doing to me. And, you know, if only this and that, and I, I never had a fourth column. This program gives me a fourth column. Mm-hmm. Right. It gives me the ability to look at um, the fact that the things my fear uh, is, are, are the lies that my fear tells me that I believe are actually not true. Mm. They're, they're just not true. And I'm really the problem. Um, and what is yeah. a fourth step other than like just looking specifically at the things in my life that look like this first paragraph on page 62 you know it's i'm mm-hmm. i'm showing up driven by self by fear by the lies i tell myself uh by self pity um i act like an asshole <laughs> people hurt me and then i want to hate them forever over it you know yeah. Um, and as we, this is really important, like as, as a whole reading from 60 to 63, but just to kind of backtrack a little, as we just learned, like on 61, like, um, it, it talks about like, you know, sometimes I'm not being an asshole, but I'm still being an asshole. Cause like my motivations mm-hmm. are just are selfish. Good. <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm being nice. Sure. Your and intentions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Your intentions are not bad, but it right. doesn't matter. It is self-propulsion. I am yeah. an extreme example of this, like you said. And I think that making the differentiation there, uh, the bottom of 61, top of 62, where it, it, it uses all these examples of type of types of people who live this way. And then one of them is an alcoholic. And I, I think, right. I think, the importance of that gets missed, but the importance again to me, to my understanding, is that I I happen to have this ailment that is driving me to a point where I need a solution badly enough to actually look into it and be like, right, right, holy shit, how do I fucking, what do I do? And so, if if this isn't driven home to me, the fact that, um not only me, but other people live like this, then I might be missing a piece when it's coming to step four on this like sick man prayer type stuff where I'm like unable to see that like, oh, well, maybe that person's sick too, just like me. Maybe they live based on fear and self-pity and selfishness too. If I just think this is only alcoholics, then I'm going to be one of these fucking dingbats in meetings who's like, 
my six-year-old niece has alcoholism. I know it. <laughs> yeah. Really? Is, she's, is, she's not just a little spoiled brat. Is Matilda really <laughs> belting whiskey yeah. at school? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? She, she opens a bag of chips and it just it just disappears. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, oh my I think, God. you know, and then moving into the bottom paragraph, the I, I I'd be interested to to hear from you guys what which one of these analogies um, you fuck with the most because I really really fuck with he is the principal we are his agents I love that analogy and it's like it's really funny um, saying that because I think like the first probably four dozen times I read it I was like. Huh? <laughs> like, I, like, I'm like, I don't, I'm not a, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it made means. me think of the Matrix the first time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like going out, like, like right. you know, following the what do they call it? Like the 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 engineer or whatever it is in the movie, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm the key doing whatever I'm programmed to, you know, to do right. kind of thing. Yeah, I love the I love the thought of like, um, you know, I'm an agent of God, G- mm-hmm. but but God is the principle. God does God, and I just get to go represent God. I get to go be God's agent. I get to go say, hey, oh well, there's a prayer on the next page that tells me exactly what I get to go do. I get to right. ask God for help do this work and then I get to go out and tell people what God did for me. And the cool thing about that is that if we're really doing that, you know, if we're practicing this or whatever you want to call it, you know, I, I take this step. I, I say that I take this step daily. Um, I'm doing all this Oh, I just lost an earbud. Hang on. I'm doing all this, um, this, this God stuff that's been assigned to me over here Mm. instead of going, God, you know, give me money, give me the right relationship, give me the good job. Mm. And then all the shit that's really, that I'm not praying for, I get over here as a result. Mm. Like I get all of those things, you know, um, I get, the peace that I've been looking for when I think that it's, it's going to come in the form of me asking God for tangible things or, you know, I just get to do the work over here and God shows up in my life here, you know? Um, and it's pretty fucking cool. It's really cool. Well, and I always had this, (laughs) this idea of, uh, I used to have a shirt that said, this is in my atheist days, my angry atheist (laughs) shirt buying days right <laughs> like didn't you have an episode term? let him know john wasn't there an let episode you can't actually be atheist and do aa or something like that what was, was the title you can't no it's something like no you can't take the 12 steps and still be an atheist oh right 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 yeah but you know it was just meaning well it was it was fucking clickbait it was rage bait but mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole last season was um But yeah, the idea being that uh, the steps produce belief and dependence upon a power greater than yourself. That's it. 
Whatever you call it, that's what it is. But you ain't no fucking atheist once it's done, dude. It's just no, no game over. But I had this t-shirt when I was an angry atheist that said, God is Santa Claus for adults. Aww. Mm-hmm. And... And my my uh, my mom worked with this woman who was like really Christian, but it, like you know. Anyway, she saw me in the shirt one time, and she was like, "Oh, hey, yeah, all right." Like she was like, <laughs> "Yes, I agree." Yeah, that's exactly how God works. Hundred percent transactional. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you scratch my back, I'll scratch yeah, yours. It's booty call God. Yeah. It's ATM God. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's just like it's transactional. It's exactly what you said. It's just like. Okay, okay, God, this is purely utilitarian. <laughs> this is a transaction. Give me this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, that's the whole thing. The how and why of it. First of all, we have to quit playing God. What's so powerful to me about that is, especially working with someone who's you know coming in and saying, I'm an atheist, but they've gotten to the place where they're like, okay, page 47... I'm willing to believe there's something greater than me. I'm willing to believe I'm not the greatest power in, in the known universe, right? Right. When you get here, you get to go, hey, guess what? What we just described, all the stuff that you say, yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, you, you, Not only you're not an atheist, you, you think you're God. You're, you're playing God. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're doing. Yeah. That's the role you're not going to play. Um, right. And that's what we're looking at for step three. Who's going to play that role? Only one entity can play that role. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I like the director analogy Mm. because it takes me back to, um, you know, just the the beautiful analogy that they go into next, right? About, like, the actor. Um, But it's just, it takes me back to that surrender. Like, when I feel like things are not going my way, it's Mm -hmm. a reminder that, like, oh, yeah, I've got... I'm I'm holding on to this too tight. Like I just gotta, you know, I gotta set this down. Mm-hmm. And then when I go off and do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm working with others, and I'm living in ten and eleven, uh, I receive that guidance mm-hmm. from a director who does have the blueprint, who does see the big picture, who knows what I'm supposed to yeah. be doing. You right. know, um, and I don't have to guess anymore, and I don't have to play whack a mole. I'm not constantly <laughs> putting out fires, right, that are just like popping up faster and faster until I've run it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I like, I like the director. I love that. But I, yeah, I had, I had a visual of you playing it. (laughs) Uh, Bam, bam, bam. It's a very, it's very real. Well, when we were kids, we'd go to the arcade and like four of us would gather around whack-a-mole and just like hit it with our hands when the moles came up. I guess that was our alcoholic thinking. Totally. (laughs) You thought if there were four of you, that four of you were the equivalent of God. Four, four 12 year olds there you go. that's god right there right i i i love um i love that um uh john you talked about the agent um sylvia you talked about um um the uh the what did you say director Which one would, the director and the one that I was thinking of was was the other one that he's the father and we're his children. Nice. And and where that comes from for me is I was constantly seeking external things in that selfishness and self-centeredness in that in that self-reliance place 
and it was all outside of me mm. and i was look you know i was looking out here i know one can see me but outside <laughs> of my body <laughs> how about that um and when i when i ponder this idea that um of this belief that I, I truly am a child of God and that all of us are. Mm. Um, and that come that doesn't come from a religious place. I don't, you know, um, that, that it's something that I was able to tap into that's inside me. Mm-hmm. Um, because a father is related to his child, right? There's like a genetic biological connection there. Um, it says in the book, deep down inside every man, woman, and child, right? It's the fundamental idea of God. And I heard this story once, actually. I thought it was really cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard it. This little AA kitschy story where this fish is swimming around um, the ocean, like, in a panic. And just, like, looking left and right and and there's nothing around. And this other fish concerned comes up to the panicky fish and he goes, dude, are you okay? Like, like what's going on? What are you looking for? And he's like, I'm looking for water. And, and the guy, the, the, you know, the concerned fish was like, Oh, I've never heard of that. But if you find it, let me know. (laughs) And it just kind of like, you know, I, I guess I just, I don't know. I lean more to that, um, hippy dippy kind of stuff. Like, I don't know how to (laughs) explain it otherwise, but, um, it's in and around us. And so I don't know, that's, I've always leaned towards that. And it also has, has helped me, um, rather than being this selfish, self-centered person who walks without God, um, you know, I've, I've, I have a son and I think about how do I feel about my son? Mm. Right. Like I love my son more than anything in the entire world. The love that a parent has for a child is, you know, the greatest love. And there's a lot of times where I don't love myself like that. And that makes me not, not useful to other people or myself when I'm in that Mm. place. Um, and then I remember well, hang on this, this guy up there or whatever, whoever that is, whatever it is, he loves me the way I love my son. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not loving me that way, I'm questioning him. And, and that to me is, is very helpful. And when I get into those places, um, yeah, anyways, I don't know. That's awesome. I, I really like what you said about, um, you know, like, uh, everybody is a child of God, right? And one thing that I really like about that is (laughs) sometimes on this podcast, I will briefly consider how do I not offend people when when I say what I want to say? Briefly consider. (laughs) I'm just like, at this point, it's like, I I should stop considering it, but I don't, I feel like too many people know me from the show that it's like, (laughs) I'm going to have to make amends with people, but this, I don't have anyone specific in mind when I'm saying this. Let me preface this by saying mm-hmm. that. There is a type of big book person 
who is very much um, doing this page 62 stuff, in my estimation, <laughs> from what I see, with the way that they sponsor. Um, it's a very, like, you know, direction-heavy... Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't necessarily want to say codependent, but it's it's very, like... I it's am. likely codependent. <laughs> Very likely. The real estate agent would call it codependent adjacent, bare minimum. <laughs> so, so, like, it has a green belt of codependency. Um, <laughs> but really what I'm thinking about is this stuff where it's like, you gotta do, you, you gotta do things this way, you gotta go to this kind of meeting, uh, you're you're done with the big book now. You got to do this, and you know it's like I need you. Like you know, it's like I sponsor this one way, and it's like they they want you to be a little th- little them, little miniature them. Check in with me every morning right. and tell yeah. me what send me a gratitude list and and the thing the thing is about firstly I love that all three of us <laughs> had a different a different favorite in the paragraph. That's Chef's kiss, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> To your point about everybody's being God's kids, um, the reason that I think that's such like selfish, self-centered bullshit to bring that attitude and weird-ass requirements to sponsorship like that is because this is such a beautiful thing um, to offer someone with zero obligation mm-hmm. so that yeah. they can have their own unique experience with it and then do their own mm-hmm. unique thing with it. Because we are all equals. Mm-hmm. God doesn't yeah. have nephews or fucking grandkids. God's got right. kids, period. So, like, bottom line, when you recover and you're like working with people, we're fucking peers, dude. You're you're not yeah. under me. This isn't a fucking LMM or whatever. We're like, I'm not your MLM. boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not like I'm not like a coming up with a Carolyn Macchiato and a giant scarf saying like, "Girl, I remember you from high school. You need to join my tears or whatever." You know, <laughs> like my my first sponsor was. Uh, although I'm I'm really grateful for her um, because I recovered in like 90 days, which was fucking cool, mm-hmm. you know. And and she knew the big book, but. She also wanted to be my life coach, which I didn't realize at the time. I just Mm kind of thought that's what a sponsor did. Right. And the reason we stopped working together or I got fired (laughs) is because I got into a relationship with uh, Um, a man who, yeah, a man who is uh, also in AA, who is now my husband. Mm -hmm. um, And the rule was I'm already recovered and sponsoring. Right. But the rule was, you know, a year before you get into a relationship that, that was the rule. And I broke the rule. Um, has, has, I don't want to, so, I don't want to sidetrack you, but has, has she ever read page 69? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we read it together. <laughs> so, you she, know, she was like, okay, we don't want, let's skip over the part about not being the arbiter of anyone's sex life. Just ign- ignore that. Right. <laughs> and and it's so funny because when I look back at it and I really know the book so much better now than mm-hmm. I did then. And I'm like looking at all of these things throughout the book that are so contradictory to that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, 
And I made, you know, I ended up making amends to her because I was, you know, whatever. I was kind of a douche um, about the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I look back and I'm like getting more resentments about it <laughs> because I'm like, I can't fucking believe she did that. Like she, the right. book clearly says, don't do that. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my, my caveat of saying like, Hey, uh, I really don't want to hurt anyone's feelings here. That, that little preamble is entirely based in my understanding that people sponsor that way because they were sponsored that way. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And just the way you didn't appreciate that, like as you learn more about the book and you were like, well, this isn't right. That doesn't really have anything to do with my recovery. There are people that think they're looking for a sponsor. Um, but they're looking for a life coach. Right. You know, they're looking for a therapist. 100%. Because that's what they believe the solution is. Yes. And when they find out that's not what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about the steps and recovery is here and this book yes. is very clear. It's just like, well, who am I going <laughs> to, you know? <laughs> I'm also a, I'm also a really bad example with that anyways because it's probably not the best idea to get into a relationship like super early in recovery right so but and and yeah i have sponsees who who will will call me who are new and who are like you know um whatever anything not related to the big book right or Mm -hmm. the steps and i'm like are you asking me to tell you what to do (laughs) right i live that's literally what i say yeah and if the answer is yes, which typically it is, I'm like, you're, you're asking the wrong person. Right. And right. at that point it's tough too, because it's like, they don't really have that clear channel to God yet. Mm-hmm. And so, and they're not relying on God because now my sponsor, like I wouldn't even call her cause she, she could, like, I know I go to God, you know, right. but I remember when that transition happened from like finishing the steps, I did them again with my current sponsor um, I would call her or I would text her and she'd be like, have you prayed yet? Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, no. And she'd be like, bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, right. I don't have anything for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love the water thing though. That's not a page 62 thing, but it goes back to God being in like the space between, right? He is everything or he has nothing what was our choice to be it's like yeah of course he's in the air of course he's in everything right not just it's not just a high five for god when i get like a parking spot up front it's like having my mind blown that god has given a shit about every parking spot i have ever pulled into in my life you know i love that even if it was three miles down the road (laughs) um right so i love i love your kitschy fish I think <laughs> I heard it on a meeting. I, I I don't take credit for it. And it's actually a really shitty meeting. Um, but I love <laughs> that part. Um, <laughs> I love that part. And um, uh, look in the show notes I, for the zoom link to that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll put it in. I'll put it in. I'll, I'll let you know who the chair was as well. Um, <laughs> everyone can send their, their hate mail um, to me. Um, but I think that one of the things I see today kind of along what you were saying, Sylvia, like 
I can see that God is always available mm-hmm. um, as much of him as I want for as long as I want um, and free, mm-hmm. you know, like anywhere in my car, in the bathroom, like at the mall, you know, um, it's not something that I have to sit down and put music on and incense and, you know, connect. It's like, and the the cool thing is, is that when we take these steps, that just happens that like, I really didn't do that much work the first time I took these steps and it, and it happened. And I came in and I re I read chapter four, like six times. Cause I was like, no, 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 <laughs> I'll do all, all the stuff. Like I was one of those people. I was like, but I'm not doing the God stuff. Right. Um, what and it happened left? anyway. <laughs> what steps would it happen? What's that? If you took yeah, the I, God right? stuff. But I could see a clear way. So I don't even know, you know, I could see it. Oh, I can do this, you know, um, but, and it just happened. Like it literally just happened. And I'm, and when I started to feel it, I was like about six months sober. I remember. And I woke up one morning and the pink cloud or whatever you want to call it was, you know, that was gone. And I had had some of those, you know, those rough spots in, you know, being recovered. Mm-hmm. And I woke up one morning, I was like six months, seven months sober. And I had this amazing feeling in my chest, in my heart. And it was a feeling, emotion. I don't even know how to describe it, but I could not put a name to it. It wasn't elation. It wasn't happiness. It wasn't like I could not put a name to it because I had never experienced it before in my entire life. And I hopped on a meeting because I didn't have a whole ton of sponsees at the time, but I had a lot more time on my hands and I was listening to someone share and all of a sudden in plain English in like uppercase letters in my mind, I visualized this word joy J O Y. I swear to God. Sorry. I don't know if that'll offend people. I swear (laughs) that this, this was real. It was like joy. You are feeling joy for the first time in your fucking life. You have never felt it before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Holy shit. Like my mind was just like, I need more of this and me being the addict that I am, I'm like, give it now. Like I need it now, you know? And it was just, it's fucking awesome. And and it just gets better every day. And that joy stays. It doesn't go no matter how bad my day is. It doesn't go away. That's awesome. I think the only thing that we really didn't touch on that, that reminds me of it exactly is on 62 is this idea where it says there often seems no way of entirely being rid of self without God's help. Meaning that like we can be <laughs> entirely rid of self. So all that shit that we're talking about, 62 to 63, uh, the stuff that you know I do to people, the way that I feel, all of the shit that boils down to me playing the role of the manager, I can be entirely rid of that stuff. And the moments in my life in recovery where I have felt what you're talking about, 
I have realized are when I was entirely rid of self. When I was just mm-hmm. yeah. fucking surrendered. Just like autopilot surrendered. Just mm-hmm. like yeah. there's not... If you asked me at that moment, like, hey, are you... You know, It's just like, did I just get hit by lightning? It's like there's not... <laughs> There's yeah. not, there's not a cell in my body that doesn't understand what happened. That something yes. changed. Yes, I have goosebumps. It's 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 pretty surreal, and 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 it's just a matter of like following these instructions, right. you know. And you really don't even have to do it that well <laughs> or try like really at all. Like you just have to have a little bit of willingness to do the things and that that was my experience i really don't feel like i did a very good job the first time when i look back i missed a lot of shit and i didn't understand a lot of shit um because i was just coming out of a 25 year fog mm-hmm. you know um so you know but it becomes more and more clear and, and it fucking works i love we were on um on the meeting on wednesday and there was like a couple people there who were like under 90 days and and introducing themselves as recovered alcoholics. Not that I care how you introduce yourself, but I was just like, that's fucking awesome. Like, I just love that. I love that. So cool. All right. (laughs) 12 questions with our friend, Karen. All right. Question one. If your life before recovery were a movie, what would it be called? Beer and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh my That's God. what comes to mind. Excellent. <laughs> um, has your conception of a higher power changed since you started the steps? Oh my gosh, yeah. I used to like set because <laughs> like I, did, I was not on the God wagon at all. And when I got here and I would, I was desperate and I wanted what you guys had. I wanted what my sponsor had. And so I remember praying uncomfortably by myself in my head going like, I am sending this message out to the universe. Whoever receives it. (laughs) Cool. Maybe it's bouncing off the wall to (laughs) like, I really felt, yeah. Like I felt like I was like projecting it like a beacon to like wherever. Um, and it's funny because I have way less visual of, of a conception of God today. Like there's no, visual it's it's in my instincts it's it's in my senses today um and if i stay in 10 and 11 and 12 that channel stays clear and and i've got clear direction on a daily basis on on what to do and what not to do right i love that so yes that's one thing i think of in like these like endless step two meetings where (laughs) it's just it's just like oh my god everyone is saying the same thing i've heard everyone say and everyone else is acting like it's the most uniquely profound thing that anyone has ever said like all i can think of is that my conception as as an anti-theist when I came to the steps, <laughs> where I got with step two, 
that conception of a power greater than myself was more specific than my res my conception now recovered exactly. years and years mm -hmm. sponsored yes. dozens of people dozens and dozens of people all these miracles in my life less specific notion of what god is now than what i had at that moment and because but i thought that i had to construct some fucking thing yeah yeah but it's a much clearer understanding of how it works yes yes right like uh, and, what, and what my position is what we're talking about this whole episode yeah. is surrendered not surrendered <laughs> like it's right. really like that and like exactly. you brought up and we agnostics the idea of that is in me from birth yes when i'm alone nobody has to tell me to have an existential crisis and react to it by reaching out to something outside of me like i can feel a need in me hey is anything out there you know nobody yeah. had to teach me to do that 100 yeah is it me i'm next okay <laughs> i almost said your real name I look up. You're looking at me like, are you gonna go? I'm like, <laughs> speak over here. Okay. Uh, would you rather the? <laughs> would you? Would you? I wish we could release this on video. Some of the facial expressions. Irish. I know. And then the Irish the, wrist watch. The, <laughs> yeah. I would love. Leather, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Would you rather rid the world of slogan slingers or sober oh influencers? Oh my gosh. Probably probably sober influencers because I, you know, big book Karen over here, right? So like I have heard people share who have recovered where they walked into an AA meeting and it was those slogans that kept them coming back, you know? And so like, who the fuck am I to be like, screw the slogans? Like, yeah, they're, they're not, they're not the steps, you know? Um, but I'm not God, right? Like, I don't get to say how someone recovers. I only get to share what worked for me and like a lot of other people but yeah but the, the media people who were like breaking their anonymity and like breaking traditions and like all that crap i'm just like that kind of stuff i can think of a few in my mind i won't even go there because then i'm gonna start getting like emails and <laughs> are you really breaking anonymity if you know, you just go by cucumber water Camille or whatever on Instagram and, and you still show your whole face. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, like all the way up to like celebrity, right. you know, sober influencers and stuff like that, too. Right. So I don't know. No spoilers, but that might show up in another question here shortly. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, besides the big book, are there any other spiritual books or media that have been really meaningful to your recovery? Uh, yeah. Um, I am also in uh, ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. That thing is um, thick. 
I have it right here. Yeah, no one can see it, but it's yes. way heavier than the big book. It looks so much smaller uh, on screen. Like, there's one in the next it, room. It's, it it's very, very big. Um, Clearly, you're like six foot five, because that is a giant book. <laughs> I'm five feet tall. I am literally five feet tall. <laughs> I am not very big. Um, so... Here's here's the difference, I think. Um, with AA, you know, um, it's such. I mean, it's it's the mothership, right, of twelve step programs, and um, you know, I'm I'm not real alcoholic, and I needed a couple of good, solid, recovered years under my belt before I realized that some of the shit that I had been going through that still that was continuing to show up no matter how hard I prayed no matter how many people I helped needed to be addressed in another program right um and so and God led me there I didn't even know about this program for like 18 months or, or two years into my recovery. I didn't even know it existed. I knew like NA, CA, OA, like, you know, the main ones, but this one has literally like brought my, my recovery to like a whole new level. Um, and I get to do both programs like, parallel they you know they cross over in the sense that i'm relying on god and that god's the director but mm -hmm. they're two totally different approaches to two totally different problems right so yeah that i would say and and the other literature in that um in that fellowship is is pretty fucking good so awesome. thank you yeah that's awesome uh Oh, fuck it. Okay. Better hang Russell Brand or Holly Whitaker? Russell, for sure. He, he just... I swear, I don't Holly know, it's is like, not going to win a single round. No, and I, I remember you asking this question before on a previous podcast and hearing it, and I feel like they also said Russell. Um, he has this, like... I don't know. It's like this arrogance about him that I take people's inventory all the time, by the way. Um, I mean, you've heard the famous show. or not. <laughs> famous or not. And I just like for me that really it just turns me off mm. of what recovery really is about. Mm. Um it's 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 the opposite it's about humility it's something i really had to learn the hard way by my sponsor telling me so many true things about me that i didn't know you know and so when i see that i you know my sponsor always says like the things that tend to disturb you like when i'm doing when i'm when i'm in a tenth step are usually defects that you have yourself Right. And so when I see that, I'm like, ooh, me, ew, you know? And yet I don't want to be would like be that. a better hang than Holly Whitaker. <laughs> Is that what you're I mean, yeah. She's I, even I worse. Think, <laughs> I would, yeah, I feel like it. Am I, am I answering the question wrong? Wait, what are you asking me? 
<laughs> the question is, who would you rather hang out with? Holler, Holly, oh, Holly Whitaker or Russell I thought, <laughs> You're oh my God, about, like, hanging I thought you actually meant oh, hang boy. by a rope. That <laughs> no. is fucking hilarious. That is what no, I fucking I, thought I, you meant. I, I thought you were just like detailing everything you hate about Russell Brand. You're like, Brand, I don't so understand you go, what your answer. Like, rather. this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> okay, does it make sense now? I'm not going to answer the original so, question, I so guess. So you're choosing Holly Whitaker. Yes. So she won one. No, I'm happy about wow, that. Wow, one she for finally Holly. Got, yeah, chalk wow. one up for Holly. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's fucking... All right. <laughs> it's a stupid question. Everyone is so confused up and through, like, what is she fucking talking about? I thought it was going to take a hard turn, and you were like, and that's why I hate him so much. Uh, and yet, <laughs> I would rather hang with him. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. All right. Um, name a chapter you'd like to see written into the fifth edition of the big book. Mm. A new chapter? Yes. Because, like, I said, would like you, to see. You like rewrite the steps, so you may have one chapter. What is it called? <laughs> Wait. The steps. Like, in addition. Karen. Yeah. In addition, in addition to the already existing chapters. No I rules. get to make a new chapter. <laughs> no rules. It's not, um, it's not going to happen. Just, <laughs> just know that in advance. This isn't real. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, you're hilarious. Um, honestly, I would probably... I would love to see... And I'm not married to this. <laughs> but I would love to see something that addresses... Um, adult children of alcoholics. Mm. Not necessarily that, you know, it would be a chapter about how to, you know, take the steps or whatever, but that there's a real um, prevalence here in this fellowship mm -hmm. that the 12 steps simply just don't address. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean that the steps aren't perfect the way they are. They absolutely are. Mm -hmm. um, it's just some of us come from pretty fucking traumatic places and um i i would love to see um uh, some sort of bridge or introduction or you know something to and hey if this is generational <laughs> there's this other program right um that helps address that and they talk about Al-Anon, right? So, and and ACA is based on Alateen. So, you know, it's, I would love to see something like that, but I actually never thought about it until right now. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good answer though. Uh, okay. When's the last time you did a 10 step? Uh, yesterday. Nice. Uh, no, sorry. Wednesday. Today's Friday. Wednesday. I'll Do you want to know what it was? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know no, what I, it was? I, I think we'll. I think we'll. Okay. I think we'll just move on. <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah. I know what it, was. <laughs> it was two days ago. Two days ago. I just want to know who the resentment was against, and then we can move on. <laughs> it, literally against a, a driver that was next to me in I don't know his name it's a random I love it. yeah anyways we'll move on <laughs> I don't know who it was 
All right, favorite step to take others through and why? Probably step 10. Mm. Um, because like step 10 is such like it's a step you can truly apply like every moment of your day mm. and um and it, the directions are very clear right. in in that step um and you know it's like our walking around step it's it's such an important one and when someone gets there it's like okay now we're gonna do all the steps pretty much <laughs> in one step kind of thing um so that's probably my favorite one to go through and it's like short it's like 10 and 11 together right, right? Yeah. kind of thing nice. the pb and j of this program oh yeah yeah uh with step 12 being the three glasses of milk <laughs> It's a little, uh, there is a solution humor. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, well, that kind of takes a steam out of this question, but. Uh oh. Which step has been most rewarding for you? Oh, well, yeah, obviously the 12th step. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not obvious to other people. It's, for Somehow me, it's... it wasn't obvious to me when I wrote this question, <laughs> and every fucking person's been saying 12. And since from the first time I said how it, is that I was not... like, oh, wow. Well, oh, I think, man. Yeah, I mean, it depends how you ask it. Like, what, what, how I experienced it when I went through the steps, that's a different answer than, like, what step is my favorite to take other people through, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And also, oh, I just lost an earbud again. And and also, a different question would be like, you know, what's your favorite step versus what's your experience? What your favorite experience with a step versus like, which one is the most rewarding right. kind of today? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do a whole episode and on question writing. It'll be a <laughs> workshop. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think you answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> um, if I am doing service work, like chairing a meeting or making coffee, can I do that instead of sponsoring other people? Um, you can. Like... <laughs> You can do anything. You right. absolutely can do whatever you like, but a couple things. First, you're not really carrying the message as the 12th step, you know. But I read um, the steps at the beginning of the meeting. But you're, yeah, but you're not carrying the message. Um, you know, and you're not, and, and we don't, I guess, technically have to um, sponsor someone else to carry the message. We, we get to do that in meetings, but I don't think that was the intended right. carrying of the message meant in the big book. I think it was the language of the heart that Bill talks about with one alcoholic talking to another. And I don't think making coffee is... <laughs> carrying the message or making 12 step work possible which is really what service is right so i love yeah that. thank you you just made my day uh okay last question for me clubhouse or church basement this one doesn't really apply to you it doesn't um so 
hypothetically speaking. <laughs> yeah, like, so I got, so, like, I've got, you know, just over two years. I got sober um, during lockdown. Yeah. Um, and uh, Zoom is how I got sober. And so I don't really have a lot of experience with either. I do have a home group here um, in Toronto where I'm from. I have, and, and AA is huge in Toronto. My home group has been in the same church for 75 years, which is really crazy. Um, I appreciate that, you know, that that meeting has been going on for that long. Um, but I really don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, it doesn't matter. We we can do this thing any which way. I'm sure that this was all part of God's plan. I've heard people call it the great cause, you know? Um, so, like, if it weren't for Zoom, like, I'd, I'd be dead. Right. I, I'd literally be dead, you know? So... Zoom meetings. Zoom. There's the third option that you didn't give me. <laughs> Perfectly acceptable. All right. Um, when you are talking to a new person and trying to carry the message, what's the most important thing you can find out about them in that conversation? Um, that's a good question. Um, probably, like... I guess it doesn't really matter, but for me, I think it's important for me to see like, is, is this person a real alcoholic, right? Like, is, is this, is this person going to identify, you know, if we, if we kind of go through the first 40, whatever pages kind of thing, um, because there's a lot of heavy drinkers in the program who, you know, get sober on meetings and fellowship. And, um, I don't know, maybe I have a bit of a resentment there because I just really want to help the person who really needs the help. Um, with, you know, and I think that's probably like, and it's not about me knowing it's about like, what do you think? Like, mm -hmm. here's what it is. Can you identify with so this really kind of thing? What is their level of self-awareness? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. But like, I didn't, I don't know if it's even self-awareness. Cause like, I don't think I was just like, okay. Yeah. When I drink, I can't stop. I can't moderate, you know? Um, and when I'm not drinking, I'm thinking about drinking all the time. And, and I could relate to that. And then in more about alcoholism, when it goes through all the examples of the things we tried, like literally every single one, except maybe whoopee parties, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause I don't think I knew what that was, but like, I think it's important to get them to identify. And when we identify, we get to see that powerlessness piece, because if you don't see that, there's no, there's no, there's gonna be no motivation to move on. There's, there's gonna be no willingness, no, you know, feeling of hope that that this thing could help. Um, so yeah, we got to start at the beginning, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. Okay, bonus question. 
How would you define the term old timer? <laughs> I love this question. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I don't like someone who has a long time being abstinent from alcohol. Um, because I have no idea what the, you know, all the different quote unquote old timers. I don't know what that recovery looks like for them. Right. And recovery time does not equal this, you know, recovered. Um, I go to a meeting with this woman who has like 30 plus years of sobriety and she is the, one of the angriest people I have ever met. John's grandma? <laughs> <laughs> and my, Leave mama out of this. My heart, my heart breaks for her. Um, right. Because like this shit does not have to take a long time. Right. Like it really doesn't. It's not meant to take, it's not designed to take a long time. It didn't take a long time for literally anyone mentioned in the book. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like Bill, what he did his steps in like 10 days or something like that. Like, and he was like literally, you know, uh, anyways, I, I think you get the point. It's just, um, and, and, there's some nasty people in my home group too. I hope people don't know who, I'm, who I am. Um, but because Toronto is so old in Toronto, um, there's a lot of varied uh, strains of of what recovery looks like, you know. Um, and there's a there's a there's a lot of like these old men's groups who never crack the book open, who come to AA and, you know, smoke when they used to be able to smoke in the church and, and drink coffee and, and go out to eat after, um, and literally tell the same drunk story, every single share. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't know. It's a dumb term. I think (laughs) it's dumb. (laughs) All right. Well, Karen, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been real. I have very much enjoyed it. I love both of you guys so much. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And uh, as, as for my co-pilot, great job on your first... Thank you. Your first flight. Thanks so much. I'm like, how long do I extend Is there a bit for sign-off as well? <laughs> no, this is the bit right here. <laughs> Thank you. I was Thank like, Karen. I was like listening. I was like hearing the like the music with the twelve <laughs> questions like in my head as you guys were asking them, and I'm like, this is so much more chill. I'm like, I'm like, eh, what's the next question going to be? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They usually go faster, so yeah. I don't know. I'll get notes that's, from Mr. That's probably Bob. because no, I'm, 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 a, I'm obsessed with myself and and I like to talk on the episode. <laughs> I listen to all of them. <laughs> It'll sound like fast. One point two five playback do you really? speed. I do. I can't. That's the only way that I've ever listened. So if I slowed it down now, it would be. Oh, oh my, my god! god. It would take days to get through. This is. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. Oh, you sound better. At 1.25. <laughs> wow. <how> Wait. Rude. <laughs>
You slow it down? Is that what you said? No, I have to speed it up. Like, when I listen to audiobooks or podcasts. (laughs) What? (laughs) It doesn't sound like that. All right, please write me the podcast and, um, you know. Yeah, let us know. Let us know what speed you listen to the podcast at, please. (laughs) Email us. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to run. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Sylvia and John. That was awesome. Sylvia and John. (laughs) This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.